Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are set to explore and talk about another movie, another movie where we might find uh, Christ in that movie or some redemptive theme in that movie. And as it is Wednesday, I do have Father Mike Ritter with me, just not over the phone, but here in studio. So Father Mike, it is great to have you with me again in studio. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Joe. It's good to be back in town and back with you. Good, good. So Father Mike... This evening, we are set to talk about Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, this was in my queue from some months ago, and it was actually my 11-year-old daughter who put it in my ear this time. Hey, Dad, you should talk about Indiana Jones. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? That's a good idea. And I went back to my email, and there it was. And uh, it was a good idea because as I went back to see the movie again, boy, howdy, (laughs) was there a lot there. Now, Father Mike, we are talking specifically about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, but kind of like uh, what we did with Jurassic Park, we'll talk about one movie, but we're, we're also talking about just the larger theme that you might find in a movie like Jurassic Park. I, I got to tell you, speaking of Jurassic Park, I took my nephews to see Jurassic World the other day. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, the, the littlest one is eight, and maybe he's a little too young for that, and so... It's kind of a scary movie, I guess, for a child. <laughs> so I asked him, uh, Jake, I said, what was your favorite part of the movie with the boys as we're driving home? He's like, oh, I don't know. I said, how about this? What was this? scandalized. Yeah, he says, what was the scariest part? He goes, um, every time somebody got eaten, <laughs> which I thought was the whole movie. So just, just to share that. But anyway, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting, Father Mike. Um, we've been talking a lot about these things that we we interpret and find in all of these movies, and the question has come up on more than one occasion, not so much that we've been reaching for things, but um, just more generally an observation, uh, Joe, is it possible to read too much into a movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it possible to be obsessing about finding Christ when Christ isn't there? And sure, to some degree, yeah, and, and one always has to be careful with that, but that question did get me thinking about just that larger hermeneutic, that larger piece of interpretation that goes with what we're doing here. And we may have touched upon this before, Father Mike, but there was something that Steven Spielberg said that I really appreciated, and I think it addresses this question. Uh, and this doesn't go to or speak to Indiana Jones per se, but more specifically, a question he was asked after he produced and directed Saving Private Ryan. And he was asked, tell me about the symbolism in this movie. Tell me about the Christ-like figure uh, in this movie. And uh, he kind of looked at the one asking the question. He said, well, I would like, actually like to hear from you on that. Mm. Where did you see in your faith tradition Christ in this movie? And if you're speaking to Tom Hanks' character... How do you see him to be a Christ-like figure? This comes from a place of creativity, but it also comes from a place of truth. Um, And how was that truth speaking to you? And so we do have that license to, as we engage these movies, to interact with them, Father Mike, in that context. 
how is God using this movie to speak to me in my very specific situation? I, I think if we were to ask Steven Spielberg the question about what we're talking about right now, he would probably say something like that. Yeah, I was after telling the story of Saving, saving Private Ryan and also after leaving this story open to you to interpret. You're interpreting what is true, what actually happened and, and how I told it, but also how might God be using this movie to speak to you? Right. It's such a great point. Uh, there's nothing more torturous as we talk about this than going to the, I'm thinking of my days in the seminary, than going out to the movies with a bunch of seminarians. <laughs> because it's, uh, Superman was Jesus yeah, and such yeah. and such a character is Mary Magdalene and blah, blah, blah. But, but, but to your point, I think that stories uh, can be like art, like music can be bearers of truth. Yeah. You know, and that, that seems to be, and, and again, to keep coming back to our Ron whole Baltasar. project, yeah, yeah it's that, yeah. that uh, in drama, in movies, in stories, that these kind of core existential human faith truths, they keep kind of seeping their way in. Yeah. And so maybe there isn't a need to over-analyze uh, as much as, as you say, a, a need to appreciate the fact that these kind of core truths about who we are continue to express themselves and and can a story be a medium of that deeper truth, of course? Mm. Yes, and to speak of the deeper truth is always, Father Mike, at the same time, to speak to that which is transcendent. Right. Right? Uh, imagination was a very important word to C.S. Lewis, was mm. a very important word to Tolkien. Both of them would uh, strain at the idea of someone interpreting their work, their writing, their myths as something exclusively allegorical. I think we talked about this when we were getting into C.S. Lewis. When a story is told, uh, the story is told with an imagination. And if that story is speaking to a truth, then well, let that truth speak to your imagination. Right. Imagination within the context of what is true, right? What is objectively true, uh, but at the same time, one that doesn't reduce the myth or the story as something strictly allegorical, because when you do that, then you take away from the story itself. Oh, and I think this is so important in anything, even even for the scriptures, to to appreciate the integrity of the story as it's told. Yeah. And yeah. then inside of that story, you can begin to strain out all of these different themes. Yeah. This kind of touches a little bit on kind of an introduction to to the movie uh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is a professor of archaeology or something like that. You know, and, and the movie kind of begins, he's in his classroom with his students, and he's saying that we, uh, archaeology doesn't happen out on the field, it happens in the library, and you study, which is ironic, since the rest of the movie, he's out on the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he says, but what we're looking for is uh, facts, not truth. He says, if you're mm. looking for some great philosophical truth, the philosophy department's down the hall. What we want is facts. And I was struck by that as, it's just a very relevant um, thought or perspective, I think, in our culture, that emphasis on facts versus truth, and well, what the heck is the difference? You know, you and I have talked about Robert Barron and the the, the term he's coined, uh, scientism, mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that truth for us is very much that kind of scientific truth, is give me the details, the specifics, the facts, the measurements, but uh, certainly truth in a philosophical sense or in a religious faith context is a much broader reality. Uh, I guess the irony here at the end of the movie one of the final lines, uh, Indiana Jones is talking to his dad. He says, what did you find, you know, in your quest or whatever? And he doesn't say uh, anything about 
facts as they're described with voices. What I found was uh, illumination. Mm, I love that line. So I that's kind that of a, a full circle piece that kind of turns that facts versus truth thing and, and blows that up a little bit. Yeah, it really does. You and I were talking in our pregame huddle over at the coffee shop. Uh-huh. And something I was sharing with you, Father Mike, that I'll share with the listening audience is over this past weekend, I was at a conference. And the theme for me was uh, to know is to love and to love is to know. Mm. Uh, that phrase puts into context, if you will, what you're talking about now, because life is just not about, as a Christian and Catholic, coming to know facts. Mm. G.K. Chesterton once said that all science at best can only conclude in conclusion. Mm. And I think what G.K. Chesterton is after there is essentially science serves a purpose. But what we have to realize is that science in of itself has a ceiling. Mm. It at best points to something beyond itself. We look at science and we say, yeah, we studied this discipline, that discipline that is outside of us. It is something that we can come to discover per se. Well, we can also say that. We can also say that of Jesus Christ. So it's just not about reason, but about reason and faith. And really, we put faith before reason because we don't see and come, but we come and see. So what we're after here is just not a deeper understanding of fact, autonomous from something greater, something larger, but that fact in light of that which is greater and larger. And oh, by the way, Father Mike, what we are talking about here, of course, in the greater and the larger is God himself. So the more we come to know about God, the more we fall in love with God. And the more we fall in love with God, the more we want to get to know more about God, yeah. right? This is the nature of courtship. This is what is true to every relationship. And this is why when we talk about faith and reason, what we're really talking about in the end is this dynamism of coming to know more about God so as to fall more in love with God. Faith and reason, that is what's before us. Oh yeah, and there's certainly no no tension between fact and the larger no, truth. No. I, I would say they're in relation, but we have this deep sense, and I'm, and I'm fond of pointing this out, you know, that uh, truth is it's more existential, even a relational thing. If I were to ask you, uh, Joe, are you being true? I'm not asking you about, give me the facts, give me the info. There, yes. There's this deep kind of more living sense of what truth is, and I think that does kind of play itself out in dramatic fashion in the movie. The The movie is, it's in the title, it's in the whole thing, it's this all-consuming uh, search for the Holy Grail. Mm. And that's such a, a representative image, you know, the Holy Grail, the, the supreme, the highest, the, the prize, whatever you want, the Holy Grail being most literally here, the, the cup of Christ from the Last Supper. But the Holy Grail, that, that great ultimate thing. And, and what's so great in the drama of the movie is just how all-consuming and violent and obsessive the search is for the Holy Grail. It separates families. You have the, the Nazis are there. I mean, it's just this, uh, the, this quest. And, and ultimately, what, what they're looking for is the, or, or the, the myth or the legend that goes with the Holy Grail is that if you drink from this cup, then you live forever. So they're after eternity, but eternity uh, on a very human plane. And what that really uh, busted open for me, or the question was just, you know, what when we speak of uh, eternal life, what are what are we talking about? Mm. I, I was sharing with you again in the huddle, just the the impression that I got is that you see it in their faces, even at the very yes. end, as they're reaching for the chalice. Mm. There's like this crazed look in their eyes. It's yeah. it's not rational that yeah. there's this obsessive, addictive desire for the Grail. Mm. Mm. 
And uh, what came to my mind was, and, and I see it in my own life, uh, this, this addictive cycle of the desire for more of something rather than uh, the desire for more than something. Yeah, I love that juxtaposition. I think that that really comes to light mm. in, um, in this movie, that the promise of salvi- salvation, the holy grail for us, the ultimate, is always going to be a question of more than this yeah. Rather than a question of more of this. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what the addict wants. Give me more of it. Yeah. Uh, but but a, a Christian mysticism is always going to be a, a tending towards more than this. Mm, amen. Yeah, it, it brings us back to that discussion, I think at least a little bit, Father Mike, uh, to that question, why do you do what you do? Hmm. You know, why do you do what you do? What motivates you to do what you do? You talk about the Holy Grail. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, France <laughs> won oh, the World yeah. Cup, right? Yeah. France won the World That's Cup. It's definitely the Holy Grail of soccer. It, 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 yeah, absolutely, right? And I was fascinated by one of the vid- uh, interviews afterwards. They're going through all of these interviews and, and asking all of the questions. You know, you've worked so hard to get to get here. What does this mean to you? And, and I'm not a soccer fan, so I don't know all of my soccer players, but there was one interview where <laughs> player on France says after three or four minutes of, of talking about what it meant to him and how important it was to him, says, nah, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. They've reached the Holy Grail here on earth, right? And uh, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, so it really got me thinking about kind of what we're talking about right now. About the mic. So we've reached the pinnacle here on earth, but what does that really mean? What does it mean to reach the pinnacle? Right. What does it mean to reach that finite sense of the Holy Grail. Well, there's value to it, of course. There's much to be said about what we learn in sport and and about being a champion and about claiming victory. Yeah, there's all of that. But it does also point to something else. I remember Chico's uh, own Aaron Rodgers said after he won the Super Bowl uh, the next day, the same thing, uh, more or less. This is it. Yeah. So this is what it means to be a Super Bowl champion? Right. Yeah. So what, what comes out to me in this movie and in all of this is that, uh, you know, without an orientation towards the transcendent or towards the divine, the, the rat race of it becomes kind of neurotic. Yeah. yeah. And you see the neurosis of it um, or the neuroticism of, of, uh, of all of this in uh, just this kind of violent, rampant search for the grail, which ultimately then kind of gets lost down a, down a crevice. And we talked about this too. Probably the most uh, important scene of the movie is Indiana Jones is reaching to say, "I mean, it's yes, the Holy Grail. You yes, gotta, yes. you gotta keep it in your clutches." Yes. And yeah. his father, the great resolution to me of the movie, or his father says to him, "Indiana, mm. let it go." Yeah. A great moment of tenderness. He was holding on, and uh, Henry Jones, his father, of course, played by Sean Connery, didn't say, "You need to let it go. You need to let it go." It was Indiana. Junior, (laughs) let it go. This is so, you know, and it's never unimportant for me to to see that scene or to hear those words. Uh, This kind of grasping was destructive. Uh, The whole whole area is is crumbling. It's falling apart because they're trying to carry the chalice out and they shouldn't. Uh, This woman is reaching for it to her peril. She dies because she's unwilling to let it go. I look at my own life and so much of what is destructive, destructive or at least disruptive flows from my inability to let things go. Mm, I mean, if, there, if there's a call that I continually need to hear, it's, Mike, let it go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think 
Jesus says as much in the gospel. If you're going to follow me, you have to learn that the, the heart of this mystery of the cross is a letting go. The one who loves his life, um, he has to lose it. Yeah. I mean, that's the prerequisite right to all discipleship. We heard it in the gospel a couple weeks ago. Abandonment, mm-hmm. right? You have to let it go. A point that I speak to probably ad nauseum here on Seeds of Truth is the priority and the primacy of the first beatitude. There is a reason why his whole Sermon on the Mount is hinged to the first beatitude. Mm. That first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Because once we've established that permanent disposition of longing for God the same way our lungs long for air, then then we can become the radical disciple that God calls us to be. But all of that, it won't happen if we are not letting go, as Father Al once said just before he died, Hmm. one of my favorite priests, your second him, I'm sorry, Father Mike. (laughs) (laughs) No offense taken. I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. Yeah, it's a great line. Because we spend our life as if it's all about how much we possess in those U-Hauls, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At least that's the way it comes off. So I think that's a huge point, Father Mike. You know, certainly I think we would be remiss if if we did not talk about the three tests. Yeah. Because there is a salient point to be had in the three tests. And in many ways, the whole trilogy, and please forgive me, uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. I'm just going to disregard that fourth film because I I don't know where that fourth film was that's, going. That's the one with the aliens and everything, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the crystal skulls and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and these huge ants carrying off this dead body. I can't even get into any of that. But anyhow, the, the first three films kind of crescendo in these three tests because really it is Indiana Jones' theological journey, if you will. If we're going to define theology as faith-seeking understanding, this this journey of understanding. He went from this tomb raider, if you will, to now this man who has arrived at these three tests. And these three tests are what? He must be penitent. Mm -hmm. Only the penitent shall pass. He must hear the word of God, right? He must hear the word of God to take the next step. And then third, of course, and and most important, he must take the step of faith. He must trust in God, yes, but Also, not implicit, but I dare say, Father Mike, explicitly, trust his Father's work. Mm. And I know we've been talking about the Father-Son relationship, but man, does it come through strong in this last work. In obedience to his Father, who's modeled nothing but, I think, heroic virtue, really, once Indiana comes to understand what his Father was all about, that his search for the Holy Grail was not a search for some finite thing, but really a search for the infinite, did he then ultimately step out in faith? Yeah. But see, it's just not about the three tests. It's about what the three tests lead to. Because only until he was penitent, only until he heard the word of God, only until did he step out on faith, was he able to what? What did the great crusader say to him? Mm-hmm. Choose wisely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Only out of a penitential heart, in obedience to the Word of God and stepping out in faith, can we begin to choose wisely? That's a great uh, systematized way to talk about uh, wisdom. Mm. You know, to mm. have a penitent, humble heart, uh, to listen to the Word of God and to step out in faith. That's a, it's a great three-step wisdom process, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and whether it was intended by Steven Spielberg or not, I think he, he says to you and I, well, I know he says to you and I because he said it. How do you read this? Yeah, that's how I read it. 
How is God speaking to you through this moment? You know, there's a great, uh, on top of wisdom, I think there's a great um, discernment tool for me in the movie, and that is, you know, one of the interesting uh, accents to this whole thing is, you know, okay, well, this is the cup of Christ. What does it look like? And and so you have this knight who's guarding, and there's all kinds of chalices. Some of, of them are very ornate and jeweled and all of that. And, you know, this uh, guy comes in, well, certainly this is the cup of Christ because it's the most elaborate, it's beautiful, it's gold. and It's the cup of a king. Right, right? exactly. And so uh, the knight says, choose wisely because if you drink from the right cup, it leads to life. If you drink from the wrong cup, it takes life away. Mm-hmm. So he drinks from the wrong cup, of course, and he turns into an awful-looking corpse. Um. And then now, uh, did your eight-year-old uh, well, nephew watch this he movie with you? I, I, yeah, <laughs> no, no. yeah, yeah. So he would have thought that was scary too. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so the knight says, "Well, he didn't choose wisely." And Indiana picks, you know, a very humble cup, a carpenter's cup, and that, that ends up being the one. But my point here for discernment, or as a as a discipline in wisdom, has to do with just this idea that you know to drink from the cup is a is a very rich image of of life and 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 what we take in in life, you know, and I. I've often had to to ask the the question, you know, does this cup that I'm drinking from in my life, uh, does it lead to wholeness? Does it lead to life, or does it take life away? Mm. Um, I, for whatever reason, that this this image of drinking from the cup as a way of looking at my choices in my life has been strong with me for a number of years now. Mm. And uh, when it comes to making wise choices, when it comes to discernment, wisdom, I think sometimes it's important to step back and ask and to hold that cup up of my life, of my relationships, mm. my choices, and ask mm. the question, uh, what I'm drinking from here in my relationship with you and my work, whatever, is it leading me to life or is it taking life away? Mm. Mm. Um, that that question, that moment of reflection has been very important for me. Mm. And uh, when that scene came up in the movie, I, I thought about that. Father Mike, when I hear you talk about the cup and discernment, I am made to think about Christ's cup of suffering and how we are called to share in that cup of suffering so as to better discern, so as to better hear Christ. Yeah. You know, we read in the early church fathers that uh, they actually rejoiced to share in the cup of Christ. Who was it? St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Polycarp of Smyrna, uh, during their uh, martyrdom in Flavian Amphitheater in the Colosseum, offered up these prayers of not being worthy and rejoicing to share in the cup of Christ, to share in the cup of suffering. I have a priest who once told me that uh, the most powerful way we can participate in Mass is when, Father Mike, you are lifting that host and you are speaking the words of institution and when you are to throw into the cup our prayers of intercession, petition, and be mindful that we are called to share in this great mystery. That's what Paul is talking about time and time again in his epistle. So I think that's quite important to think about the cup in relationship to suffering and see the great value of what that bread and wine is transformed into on the altar. Nobody just pops open a bottle of wine and chugs it down. I mean, you you take it, you hold it up, you swirl it, you take a look, you smell it, you sip it, and you ask the question, do I want to pour more of this? Is this the wine that I'm looking for? Mm. Do we do that in our life, though? Do we analyze mm. and stop and reflect and, and and really kind of take it all in and then ask the question, should I be drinking this? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, am I going to drink it in a way that I can really uh, savor the fullness of it? Mm. Uh, so when we're talking about whatever it is that we're taking in in life, um, we never chug life. Yeah, yeah. You know, I that like we, that image. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that that's powerful. And so when the, when the knight in, in that kind of area says, choose wisely, yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a discipline there. Um, and, and as you say, to, to take up that rich biblical and Christian image of the cup of suffering, also the cup of blessing and salvation. Mm. There's a, there's a challenge there to, to be intentional mm, mm. Um, and, and maybe to approach life with uh, penitence, with humility, hearing the Word of God, and then uh, trusting in faith. Yeah, and, and what else does a sommelier do but pairs wine with a particular food? Mm-hmm. And if we are to become the food, if you will, then yeah, it's all about the wine. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm being very particular with that. Father Mike, I'm, I'm looking up at the clock, and we are already out of time. This evening flew by. I don't know if you have any closing words. I guess my closing thought is this, um, and it kind of brings us back to what we opened up with. It's this whole idea of how do we interpret a particular movie? Hmm. Um, how do we interpret what it is that we're watching? Mark Twain once said that uh, history never repeats itself, but it does have a rhyme scheme. Hmm. History never repeats itself, but it does have a rhyme scheme. Uh, Maybe you are one who is listening to this podcast and asking yourself, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Father Mike. I I hear what you're saying, Joe, and I agree with you, but I was also touched in this way and that way. Talk to God about that, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because if you're true to how God is speaking to you, then how God is speaking to you and how God is speaking to me and Father Mike has a what but rhyme scheme. Yeah. Right. And I and I think that's really in the end what we're after and what von Balthasar was after. Right. You know what he what he wanted or his whole uh, idea was that these stories they help us to observe human nature, observe ourselves uh, from a certain distance. You know, we're not on the stage, and it allows us to uh, to reflect upon what does it mean to be human, what does mm-hmm. it mean to be in relationship with myself, with God, with others. So again, uh, to come back, nobody here is saying Indiana Jones is Jesus, yeah. <laughs> or that's what uh, Spielberg intended. But but this uh, story does kind of put before us uh, some human stuff, and it asks us to look at ourselves because of that stuff. And when we are true to that human stuff, we will begin the process of allowing God to use the movies we talk about to help us, to aid the process in us becoming more whole in Christ. Absolutely. Amen. Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, you call us to eternal life and to seek you in all that we say and in all that we do. We ask you to hold out before us that uh, cup of blessing as we make an offering to you Mm. of of all of our struggles and Mm. all of our suffering. We make this prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.